Welcome back, everyone, to the newest sports episode of Random Acts of Awesomeness. I know it's uh, it's late. I'm actually recording this Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, because Monday was a nightmare. I had to deal with some medical stuff. Uh, I am a uh, I'm a veteran, so I have to go through the whole VA process and. Uh, involved me sitting in a waiting room for about five hours. I was late to class, missed another appointment. So yeah, that was fun. Uh, And because of that, I was so exhausted by the time I got home, I just passed out super hard. And the next day I just had a bunch of class stuff to do. So I'm recording this Wednesday. Uh, And because of that, I have a little bit more information on some of the stories. Um, Today, we're going to get into... NBA All-Star Weekend basketball stuff. We've got NHL All-Star Weekend that happened last week. We're going to talk about that. Uh, previews for the Super Bowl coming up this this uh, this Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And some Royal Rumble stuff uh, that happened on Sunday, last Sunday. Because uh, it was pretty action-packed on Sunday. Royal Rumble, we had the Pro Bowl. And just there was a lot going on. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting into that with you. Uh, so welcome back to Brandon Max of Awesomeness. See you soon. Diving straight in to the world of basketball, I think the biggest piece of information that has happened over the last week or so is that Anthony Davis has officially requested a trade from the New Orleans Pelicans. And he's also gotten fined $50,000 for the public way of making his uh, his trade request. And I, I saw an interesting tweet today um, regarding it. That was Anthony Davis gets fined fifty thousand dollars for publicly requesting a trade, but GM nothing happens to GMs or team owners when players are publicly put on the trading block. So it's just an interesting uh, discussion. I think we should have. What do you guys think about it? Um, I'd love to hear from you guys as to uh, your opinions on the trading block versus publicly uh, requesting a trade and things of that nature. Uh, according to news sites, he Anthony Davis let his teammates know that he was requesting the trade. Uh, tried to go about it as in the most professional <clears throat> manner possible. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what comes of that. But regarding that, I am Anthony Davis's situation is uh, kind of the latest symptom of a larger kind of epidemic in the world of basketball, which is. The curse of small market teams who uh, go high in the draft. Um, it seems as if players such as you know Reggie Miller and uh, who else? Goodness gracious, why am I blanking? Um, anyway, those uh, those players who are on smaller market teams who decide to stay there um, for their entire career. I mean, nowadays, very few players stay with one team their entire career anyway, but. 
it's even more prevalent in smaller market teams because they always want to take off. Uh, you had Kevin Durant leave um, Oklahoma City. You had Dwight leave Orlando. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't necessarily call Orlando a small market, but he left to go to you know like L.A. and Houston, things like that. The only kind of person to buck the trend recently was Russell Westbrook and him deciding to stay in Oklahoma City as well as Paul George. So um, I feel like uh, Oklahoma City must be doing something right to be able to attract their free agents and make them want to stay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned with the, the kind of precedent that it sets because it, uh, the clock starts ticking for small market NBA teams as soon as they draft them. Um, I mean, yeah, so Anthony Davis spent seven years in New Orleans, but I think everyone could agree that as soon as <clears throat> as soon as soon uh, he got drafted, the clock started in terms of when he would leave, um, unless they were able to put a lot of high-quality people around him really quickly. Um, and the nature of small markets is they have difficulty attracting free agents. Like, it's very hard to compete against a uh, Boston or an L.A. or New York or um, some uh, teams of that nature but just because of the nature of where they are. Um, so it's it's uh, it's a bit of a problem, but I'm interested to see where he'll, he'll land up. Uh, he'll end up, I've heard, um, Boston and L.A. have already tried to uh, field some offers, tried to put forth some offers to the... Um, to the Pelicans, trade for Anthony Davis. Um, I'm. I don't know where he'll end up personally. Uh, I think that uh, him winding up in L.A. with LeBron probably gives him his best shot at winning a championship early. However, um, it is the Western Conference, which means they have to go through Golden State, which is going to be very, very difficult. Um, because Golden State is Golden State, and they have a tendency to win a lot. <clears throat> Moving on uh, to All-Star Weekend. Um, so, the All-Star starters are set. We've got, uh, in Western Conference, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Paul George are the Western Conference starters. And Eastern Conference... Giannis, Atentacumpo, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Kawhi Leonard, and Joel Embiid. So I'm pretty excited to see this whole Team LeBron versus Team Giannis um, East versus West situation because All-Star Game is so much fun. It's There's little to no defense being played unless it's the last like five minutes of the game um, because then they want to win. It's really just about doing the most ridiculous things that you can't get away with in a in a regular season game. Um, so you have uh, like when Dwight Howard was in, I remember he pulled up from three a couple times, despite the fact that he's not a shooter in the slightest. Uh, and he actually drained one, so that was really cool. Uh, and it was a lot of fun watching some things like that. Like you have guys doing crazy things. That was when I think Tracy did the first. Uh, Tracy McGrady, that is, did the first uh, off the backboard, like uh, alley oop to himself. So, the All Star Game has uh, a lot of interesting uh, connotations to it, and it's always really fun to watch. But 
for some of you who might not know, the All-Star Game is taking place in Charlotte this year, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, which is why the inclusion of Kemba Walker is such a big deal because it's a chance for him to kind of um, show off in front of his hometown. Um, so it's a really interesting uh, dynamic in terms of how he's going to be, he's he's going to get cheered out of the, out of the building. Like it's the it will probably explode when he get uh, when he gets introduced because he is also the Hornets' leading scorer. Um, he passed Glenn Rice for most uh, forty point games in the franchise. He's he holds a lot of um, he holds a lot of the franchise records for Charlotte. Or the Hornets. Um, so I think uh, it should be interesting when he gets there. I say interesting a lot. I've realized that now. I need to try and figure out other words. Um, but it was a little touch and go there because um, he, uh, in a game with the Bucks, uh, Giannis kind of connected one of his uh, go-go gadget arms with Kemba's neck, uh, which he got diagnosed with something like a sprained neck. Or something of that, and uh, and he he left and did not return. But uh, according to um, the the team, he's he's all healed up. He actually played uh, a couple days ago, um, dropped about fourteen points. Uh, so I am I'm I'm ready to see Kemba Walker represent the hometown in uh, in Charlotte for the All Star game. Uh, I think he deserves it. I think he's an excellent uh, player, especially one who kind of came into the league without uh, without a ton of fanfare. I mean, he he had just he had just led UConn to a title when he got drafted, but um, for the most part, everyone was concerned with how small he was and um, if he could if his play at UConn could translate to the professional level. And it took him a couple years, uh, but uh, the last. Three years, he's been um, nothing short of uh, outstanding. So um, glad Kemba was Kemba Walker's okay. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing him in the All Star game this year. And with the selection of the starters, um, that always begs the question: to who are the reserves going to be? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of deserving candidates this year. Um, some less known than others. Uh, for all-star reserves, and I am personally watching the all-star starters get picked is always a lot of fun. Uh, for those of you who don't under- don't really know how the all-star selection goes, uh, the first uh, this the first five the the Western Conference and Eastern Conference starters are selected by fan vote. Um, well, it's a mixture of like fan vote and media vote, uh, and. Uh, it's kind of weighted differently, but uh, the fans essentially can choose who they want uh, to who they want to start in the All Star game. Um, I remember there was a, a big issue a while back when Jeremy Lin was going through Lin sanity, um, and then kind of got and got injured, and but it was still getting was still like leading the. Uh, the NBA in, in all-star votes for uh, a couple weeks. He ended up falling off, but that was when they start, that was when the league started looking into um, who is, uh, how 
the all-star votes need to be weighted because, you know, fans can be fickle every now and again, and maybe not the most uh, deserving candidates will get to start. So uh, that is... It's it's a tough it's a tough call to see who's gonna get in. I think uh, Stephen Adams is lined up for his. I think it's I think it's gonna be the year of the big man. Uh, personally, in terms of uh, first uh, first All Star appearances, I think uh, Stephen Adams has got a really good shot, um, as well as Nikola Jokic and uh uh pascal siakam has been really good this year uh he's averaging 15 7 up there in toronto um yeah so kind of like three new faces that we haven't seen in a while uh and also uh, nikola vucevic um down in orlando has been doing uh excellent work over the last uh, couple of years and it's nice to see him get some uh recognition so um we'll see how that goes we'll see how he We'll see if he gets the nod because the 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 coaches across the N- NBA are the ones who choose the reserves. Um, so there's a lot of things that take that are taken into account. Um, and the we were going back to All Star starter voting. I I have the the full voting results in front of me, um, and you'd be surprised at some of the some of the people that got. Um, all-star votes. Um, you've got uh, Draymond Green in Golden State, who is <clears> – <throat> <I'm not clears> I think Gold, Draymond Green is an excellent player. I think he provides a lot uh, in for Golden State. But this year, I don't think it's a all-star year for him. I think he's – I think uh, his stats are incredibly average to actually below average, but it's the other stuff that he does that I think is the he's a he's what's known as a glue guy, um, a kind of the individual on the team who <clears throat> makes everything go and keeps everything together, and I think that's what Draymond Green uh, offers. But this year, I don't think he's uh, quite played uh, like an all star. Um, and uh, also in the Western Conference, uh, do you know who else got some some All Star votes? Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball. Um, the less said about the Ball family, the better in my my book. But um, I don't think Lonzo Ball has quite had an All Star year. I think he's gotten a lot of votes um, due to his circumstances um, and his visibility. Uh, but you know. People are allowed to vote for whoever they want to. I can just, uh, I can just have an opinion. Um, but one of the other uh, interesting, uh, more, the more <clears throat> some of the more interesting selections are. We're actually in the Eastern Conference. The more interesting vote getters, and that's uh, Vince Carter uh, in Atlanta. In at forty-one years old, he's in like his twenty. First season in the NBA, he's old as the hills, um, and he hasn't—he hasn't been lighting the world on fire uh, playing right now. But you know, he's—he's uh, he's Vince Carter. I think uh, a lot of times, uh, guys that uh, like I grew up with watching Vince Carter <clears throat> play in the N- NBA, and I think that. Uh, 
some of that nostalgia can rub off in All Star voting, where you just kind of want to see them again in an All Star game. Uh, but I think uh, Vince Carter's best years are kind of behind him. Um, and as great as it would be to to see him in something like that, I I don't think uh, he. I think there's far there are some far more deserving candidates for the All Star. Uh, position for the all-star positions uh, that are available there's not a lot of them um also uh Dwayne Wade eh, he's back in Miami but uh Dwayne <clears throat> kind of on his uh retirement tour if you will and I think this was more of a uh fans wanted to kind of see him off this victory lap uh, I just I don't think that selecting a player into the all-star game as a victory lap is the best idea because I think as great as Dwayne Wade's a Hall of Famer, like there's no doubt about it, but it takes a spot away from possibly a younger player who has maybe played his butt off uh, for the season and deserves kind of the recognition. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't think it's, it's there for, for Wade this year. Uh, I think he is a Hall of Famer. I think he's one of the greatest uh, to to play the game. But in terms of uh, an all-star this year, uh, I don't necessarily see it. Um, same with uh, Eric Bledsoe was down at uh, kind of number 10 for the uh, weighted, weighted scores. Uh, and I don't see it. I think Eric Bledsoe is a... Good player. I think he's just kind of slightly above average. Um, I mean, the Bucks wouldn't be where they are if it wasn't if he wasn't on the team. But I still think that's uh, the Milwaukee Bucks is Giannis's team, and um, I think uh, Eric Bledsoe offers a good offers a, a good a good Robin to uh, Giannis's Batman, but. Uh, tell me what you guys think. Uh, let me know uh, if you disagree, if you agree, if you think somebody else should get an all-star nod. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. And, and also, the Rising Star uh, lineup, the Rising Star rosters are set. Uh, for the uh, for those of you, the, the Rising Stars are two rosters of first and second year players. Um, it's used to kind of like who's been playing really well their rookie and sophomore seasons. And it's Team U.S. versus Team World. Um, and so the uh, lineups are as followed. For the USA, Jarrett Allen, Marvin Bagley Jr., Lonzo Ball, John Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Trey Young. Um, that's, that's a squad. That's a squad. But... The world also, uh, Team World also has a squad. Uh, OG Anunobi, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Bogdan Bogdanovic, uh, Luka Doncic, Shai, Gilgis Alexander, Rodion Skurix, Laurie Markkinen, Josh Okoge, Seti Osman, and Ben Simmons. Uh, that's also quite a, uh, quite a team. Uh, these, I think this is going to be the most uh, action-packed Rising Stars game we had in a long time uh, because um, De'Aaron Fox has really come to his own the past couple years. Uh, I think 
Jaron Jackson has, uh, well, he did until Luka Doncic took off. Um, I think I think Jaron Jackson is arguably the second best rookie in the league right now, um, and Luka Doncic is is amazingly talented at the game of basketball. Um, the first teenager to record two triple doubles um, is just amazing. Uh, he's doing some amazing stuff there in Dallas, and I know they're really excited they uh, they drafted him. Um, so the uh, the Rising Stars game should be a lot of fun. There should be a lot of uh, cool stuff to see, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let me know who you like, who you don't like, um, what you think is going to happen, what you think isn't going to happen. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna take a break, and co- when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, gonna talk about hockey. Uh, the NHL All Star Weekend happened. And uh, we're going to discuss that a little bit. All right. See you soon. Welcome back. So, hockey. 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 the All-Star Game in hockey is uh, a little bit different. Um, it's actually a, a four-team tournament um, in hockey. It's uh, one team per division. You've got uh, Pacific, Metro, Atlantic, and Central Division. Um, and uh, probably the biggest news going into the All-Star Game was... Uh, the Metro Division captain, Alex, Ove- Alex Ovechkin, had said he was sitting out of the game. Now, <clears throat> uh, it, it isn't like it isn't quite like the Pro Bowl where you don't really get penalized if you uh, sit out of uh, the All-Star Weekend festivities. Um, actually, he got suspended for one game because he's not playing, but he chose to sit out. Um, I think because he wants to, he wants the Capitals to make another run at the Stanley Cup after winning last year, uh, and also uh, Ovechkin's not quite a spring chicken anymore. He's uh, 33, which in hockey terms is incredibly old. Um, but he's, uh, he, I think he's making the best decision for his career and for his team in this case. Uh, even though it's kind of sucks that you won't be able to see him on All Star Weekend, uh, but. Uh, his and his nemesis, uh, Sidney Crosby, was definitely there, um, which is funny because they they actually played in the same um, they actually played in the same division, um, and they were both uh, on the same team. And uh, the Metro Division actually took the uh, took the All Star Game uh, title, um, if you will. They, uh, they won. Um, they they beat Central ten to five. Um, it was a lot of scoring, which you normally don't get in hockey. So that's always fun when you ever see a lot of goals scored. And uh, I, I think it's really bad for the goaltenders. Uh, it's kind of a rough day, but uh, at the end of the day, it's all good fun. Um, and I think it's uh, it's going to be uh, it's good stuff. Um, Sidney Crosby and uh, Barzal also had uh, like five points each, which is astounding. Um, so, points in hockey are based on 
uh, goal scored and uh, hockey and uh, assists. And the last two people to touch the puck uh, get credited with the assist. Um, so it, if you so individual status, uh, individual stats are kind of uh, tracked by points, not necessarily goal scored or or assists. It's by overall points. It's um, how you uh, how you help. Your, your team win in any capacity. Uh, they also had the uh, skills challenge, which I think is a lot of fun. Uh, you have uh, about six different events, uh, fastest skater, puck control, save streak, premier passer, hardest shot, and accuracy shooting. Um, and those are, it's baffling to see how good some of these people are at uh, He's uh, with with a stick in their hand. Um, uh, with the fastest skater, I thought that was really cool because one of the competitive, one of the competitors was uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield. Uh, she plays for the uh, United States Women's National Team. So I thought that was a really really cool thing for the NHL to do um, <clears throat> to have her in the competition. Um, I think it means a lot, and I think it uh, helps put uh, more of a spotlight on women's hockey. Uh, which, uh, yes, it exists, um, and they're they're good too. Like, baffles me when people always try to like crap all over women's sports um, because uh, a lot of women that I know can go just as hard as uh, some of these dudes. So um, uh, she did not win. Uh, who did win was uh, Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers with a time of 13.378 seconds. Uh, it's uh, <clears throat> that's really fast because you have to you have to essentially you have to have a, a full lap around the, the rink and it, it talks about how long and they time on how long it takes takes it. But Connor McDavid uh, won that one. The puck control is a crazy stick handling cone thing it's 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 crazy um there's a lot involved moving the puck in just ways that you wouldn't expect it um with the uh winner of that was uh johnny godreau of the calgary flames um some uh honorable mentions uh patrick kane of the chicago blackhawks and uh claude garreau of the philadelphia flyers um were also uh, in the event. Um, they were uh, one and two uh, right after him. Uh, Gaudreau kind of just edged um, Patrick Kane by like a second and a half. So uh, it's uh, it's always interesting when that dynamic happens and it's just, it just comes down to one, like a, a second and a half. Uh, they also had the uh, the NHL save streak, which is you essentially pit a goalie against an entire um, an entire All Star team. Versus uh, you had Pekarene versus Pacific Division, um, Andre Vasilevsky versus the Metro, uh, John Gibson versus Central, and Braden Holtby versus Atlantic, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, you would have, um, uh, 
you pretty much just get the best of the best shooting goals at you the whole time. Um, so it's probably got to be pretty uh, pretty nerve-wracking. Um, but the goalies were Pecorine of the Preds, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, John Gibson, Braden Holtby, Devin Dubnik, Jimmy Howard, Marc-Andre Fleury, and Hendrik uh, Lundqvist. Lundqvist. Um, he, uh, Lundqvist actually took it. Um, he uh, won with uh, 12 saves. That's got to be a nerve-wracking experience, having some of the best in the world just, just try and score on you on a regular basis. Uh, he also had the premier passer. And that was uh, uh, made up of uh, Eric Carlson, Miko Rantanen, Sebastian Ajo, Ryan O'Reilly, Thomas Chabot, Leon Drysaddle, Drysaddle, Seidel. Sorry, I can't say that name. Goodness, hockey's hard. Uh, Roman Yossi and Keith Yandel. Um, and, of course, the name that I can't say, uh, Drysaddle. Drysaddle, I think that's how you say it. Um, he won uh, with... As the uh, the premier passer of uh, the league and the hardest shot. So, just so you all know how stinking hard these people hit a hockey puck and how terrifying it has to be to be a goalie. Uh, I'm gonna give you some of these um, these miles per hour in terms of how 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 hard they hit it. So. Uh, I'm going to go from lowest to highest, uh, 95.1, 96.2, 99.4, uh, 100.6, 100.8, and 102.8. Um, I don't care who you are. I don't want a hockey puck coming at me at 100 miles an hour. That's terrifying. That breaks stuff. That If you've never held a hockey puck, it's dense. And it's 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 heavy. The boards that surround the the hockey rink are made of like bulletproof glass or you know like the highest quality of plexiglass. Because um, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of velocity behind that uh, behind that puck. Uh, we've got uh, the and the last event was the accuracy shooting. Um, which is um, five uh, LED targets are in the net, and you have to hit uh, all five. Um, so the winner of that was uh, actually David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins uh, with a time of 11.309 seconds, which is amazing. In 11 seconds, this guy hit five targets on the money. Um so he can pretty much get the puck to go wherever he wants when he shoots it. Um, that is uh, that's gonna wrap it up for hockey. Um, it's uh, we're half. That's the halfway season season mark, um, and Stanley Cup's coming up in about three months. So uh, looking forward to seeing how that goes. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Pro Bowl and uh, Super Bowl predictions. Coming up next.
Are you ready for some football? I just totally messed up that whole song. Anyway, um, so Pro Bowl. Uh, let's uh, let's be honest. Uh, for the most part, Pro Bowl is not the most enjoyable event of the football season. But I think in recent years, the NFL has done a lot of work in trying to uh, make the Pro Bowl a much more enjoyable experience. Um, I think with the addition of the skills challenge in particular, the skills showdown uh, is what they call it in particular, it, it makes it so much more uh, enjoyable uh, that whole that whole weekend. Um, you There's uh, a bunch of different events. Um, they've got things like epic Pro Bowl dodgeball, uh, the best hands competition, 40-yard splash, gridiron gauntlet, uh, precision passing competition, um, and uh, it's AFC versus NFC um, with uh, some Hall of Fame coaches, DeMarcus Ware and Jim, Co- uh, Jim Kelly for the AFC and Emmett Smith and Brian Urlacher for the NFC. Um, and it's... Uh, it's fun. It's it's a experience. I think the I think the skills challenge has started to become the the most watched uh, part of the Pro Bowl. Um, not necessarily the game, but the skills challenge. Um, uh, it's um, really cool because you also get to see um, players link up that normally don't don't play together. Like uh, with the best hands competition, you have. Uh, quarterback and wide receiver duos um and they they choose um representatives uh the team chooses representatives to be a part of the the um the the event uh so for best hands it was uh russell wilson and adam thielen uh, mitch trubisky and mike evans uh <clears throat> afc uh won they had uh <clears throat> they had juju smith schuster and andrew luck and uh, excuse me, it was uh, Deshaun Watson and Juju Smith-Schuster and Andrew Luck and Eric Ebron. I feel like that's kind of unfair uh, because it's Andrew Luck throwing to a teammate that he already has really good chemistry with. Um, so there's, it's kind of takes a little bit of the, the fun out of it. But they have to do, they have to catch uh, passes at specific points in the field. And they also have to do kind of specific catching motions like diving catches or one-handed catches or like over-the-shoulder, like drop passes. Uh, so those kinds of uh, experiences are a lot of fun. They're uh, in, I, I know they're kind of like manufactured um, in terms of like diving catches or like over-the-shoulder or one-handed catches. Um, but I think still watching that kind of stuff is, is, is a lot of fun. Um, uh, precision, uh, precision passing. So this is uh, an event that I think is so much fun um, because it's each of the two quarterbacks for the conference, for each conference, and one non-quarterback are going <clears throat> against the other two quarterbacks and one non-quarterback, and they're trying to hit hit a bunch of targets. So Von Miller uh, got got chosen, um, and it's pretty clear why he plays linebacker and not quarterback. He uh, only got two points. It's kind of rough. Um, he even got trashed on Twitter by his own uh, um, by the Denver Broncos Twitter account. Um, uh, Adam Thielen surprisingly uh, surprisingly accurate for being a wide receiver. He got ten points. Uh, Deshaun Watson. 
uh, was uh, had uh, 15 points. And uh, Russell Wilson won won it for the NFC with uh, 19 points. Um, he uh, he said, uh, "quote There's diapers on the line." Uh, end quote. Uh, explaining his his need to win. Um, <clears throat> and the 40-yard splash is... Uh, it's, it's, it's a thing. Um, it's you... <clears throat> the, the team has to fill up a dunk tank and then hit the target with a football, which dunks a uh, opposing team member. Um, so... That's really, I think, in the spirit of, you know, just having a good time and having fun, I think this is the best uh, way that they could have done it. Um, this is just kind of a weird, um, weird kind of offbeat event uh, that can just show uh, just players having a good time. Um, so kudos to the NFL for um, pulling off that. And that was a uh, – the. AFC won that uh, after dunking Brian Erlacher in uh, Dunk Tank. That's always fun. Um, and the uh, Gridiron Gauntlet, which is a uh, kind of like a obstacle course relay race, um, a little bit mostly related to uh, to football drills and things like that. Um, but the AFC uh, took that. And kind of ran away with the whole thing, um, so they were up three one by the end of it. Uh, and then every the the and the event um, that everyone has been uh, looking forward to the most, I think, out of all of it was the Epic Pro Dodgeball. Um, anytime you get to watch people play dodgeball, I feel like it's a lot of fun just because uh, dodgeball is um, uh, just because dodgeball is one of the best games there are um uh, three different rounds for dodgeball um and it's just a bunch of huge dudes just chucking dodgeballs at each other uh, and you get to see some pretty accurate uh some pretty um athletic things um saquon Do- saquon barkley essentially had to take on the entire afc team by himself um be after the rest of his team got eliminated um so that's that's never fun, um, but uh, the NFC ended up uh, taking the um, dodgeball game, and uh, as as to the actual Pro Bowl game itself, um, the AFC uh, beat the NFC twenty six to seven, and I think going on the whole like trying to have more fun with it, you had guys line up under center that normally don't, you know. You had like wide receivers line up at quarterback. You had uh, wide receivers also play. Um, you also had wide receivers play cornerback, uh, and like crazily enough, Mike Evans. Uh, yeah, Mike Evans had a pick. He doesn't play cornerback. He's a wide receiver. Um, when you're playing in the in an All Star game, uh, when you're playing in the Pro Bowl, when you're playing in any type of All Star game, I think the biggest focus needs to be on having a good time and putting on a show for the fans, which I think the the NBA All-Star game does really well. And I think just recently the Pro Bowl has started uh, thinking more in that manner, less of a traditional 
football game where you're playing to win and more of like a let's have as much fun as we can. Let's do some crazy wild stuff that people don't normally get to see and just put on a really good show. So uh, that's uh, that's going to be it for the, the Pro Bowl. But uh, this Sunday, this Sunday, we have uh, Super Bowl 53 coming up. It's uh, the Patriots versus the uh, L.A. Rams. So my dad is a huge Rams fan. Um, I still remember stories of uh, during the Rams uh, Super Bowl win against the Titans. Um, my dad, uh, my dad was pretty much just on cloud nine uh, the entire season. Um, uh, I was ten years old at the time, and my dad was just walking on air the entire uh, the entire season long. But uh, so Super Bowl comes around, and my church at the time had a really bad habit of scheduling their um, their business meetings on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, and my dad ran sound. One of the things that. Um, we so we it would always go the the business meeting would always go almost like right up until the the Super Bowl started. And this is on the the west coast of of California, so it's not as egregious as you may think, but it's still pretty pretty bad. Um, and like I said, my dad uh, ran sound for uh, the church. So that day uh, when the super when the Rams were in the Super Bowl, we he. Pretty much dragged me out, dra- dragged me to where he was gonna be. And he told me to stay in that one spot and not leave. And then he went around and immediately started setting everything up pretty much as fast as he could. Da 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 da. Like this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. And then he turned to one guy and said, "You, you're gonna take care of this." Cole, let's go. And we got in the car and just drove home because he was not going to sit there and miss the Rams uh, playing the Super Bowl. Um, and, uh, as, uh, as we all know, the, uh, the Rams won that one. It was a great, great game with the, uh, ankle tackle to stop Eddie George from, uh, getting in the end zone, uh, with no time left on the clock. Um, so it's just, uh, one of my fond memories regarding the Rams. But as I said, my dad is a huge Rams fan. Uh, and even he said, uh, huh. They shouldn't. The Rams shouldn't be in this game uh, because of the uh, terrible no call, uh, no no pass interference call. But again, that's neither here nor there. Well, there's nothing we can do about it now. That's the end. Um, it's happened. So let's just get. We can only get ready uh, for for what's coming. I have no idea who's gonna win. I Tom Brady is. I I I hate myself for saying this, but he is the goat. Um, I think he is. I think this just this just turned me into a believer. Um, but it's I th- it's hard always hard to bet against Tom Brady. Um, I think the Rams have an excellent roster. And they've got a lot. They've got a great shot at doing it. But it should be uh, it should be interesting uh, um, coming up on on Sunday. So. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, let me know. Um, like I said, I uh, always want to hear from you guys and find out what you guys are thinking. 
um, as well as just, you know, start a conversation. Um, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble this weekend. All right. See you soon. Bye. My favorite pay-per-view of the year. We begin the road to WrestleMania, and there's just so much you can do in the Royal Rumble. It's my favorite pay-per-view. It's the best match. It's the most exciting match stipulation. Um, Michael Cole has even said it's his favorite pay-per-view. So I see you, Michael Cole. We're going to see him wavelength. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's so much fun. It always adds so much speculation. It's like, who could possibly win the Rumble. And now they've got the Men's Rumble and the Women's Rumble. Um, but we're just going to go quickly from match to match. Uh, start off hot. Um, we're going to skip the pre-show um, because, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, the main pay-per-view started off with uh, Becky Lynch uh, against Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And I will also say that um, the pay-per-view took place at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona, which is kind of a new undertaking for WWE to um, have a a, uh, a stadium for an event that isn't their, their WrestleMania. Um, and I thought it was a really cool look. Um, it's they don't necessarily have like Titantron stuff, but they also but they did have like uh, some some augmented reality situation for the people watching at home um, where they kind of do these really cool um, graphics on the screen um, and, and above the ring. Uh, but um, match started off, Becky Lynch versus Asuka. Uh, it was a really good, really good hard-hitting match. Um, Becky Lynch was the uh, former SmackDown Women's Champion, um, she uh, lost her title in a uh, ladder match um, after Ronda Rousey came in and um, cost Becky Lynch and Charlotte the title, so Asuka won. Um, but I look, I think this was a good, uh, it was a great match. Uh, I think it did a really good job at uh, making Asuka look dangerous again because she hasn't really looked that way over the past uh, year or so. Um, so I thought that was a really great job by them and really good job in the, the booking in that case. Um, we had the tag team match right after that. Uh, the co-besties, Shane and The Miz, Shane McMahon and The Miz uh, versus The Bar, Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, it was a pretty decent match. Um because whenever you're you, you're going against whenever you have like Seamus Cesaro in the ring and Seamus Cesaro and the Miz in the ring, uh, you're gonna they're gonna put together uh, a solid match. Um, and, uh, like I don't think they've they really haven't put in put together too many stinkers, especially not uh, all three of them together. Um, and Shane had some really great spots in the match. And uh, your new ta- your new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Uh, uh, Shane McMahon in the Miz after um, uh, Shane McMahon hits a uh, shooting star press for the win. Um, uh, next on the card, 
Whoa, why can't I think of what was on what was next on the card? Uh, one second, and I will be right back googling stuff on the air. You would think I took better notes than this, but I didn't, cause I'm dumb. Here we go. Oh, so right after that, uh, the <clears throat> um, the Raw Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks. Uh, this has been. Uh, a really good uh, build. Uh, this has been a really good um, program, and it was pretty, pretty, pretty good build. Um, with uh, only <clears throat> with only a couple weeks to work with, um, Rousey essentially saying, um, trying to prove to Sasha Banks that she can wrestle, uh, which I don't think anyone was really kind of disputing, but Sasha Banks. Um, it was really uh, it was a hard hitting match. It was a lot of intensity, uh, a lot of reversals and counters. It was really good, um, and uh, Ronda Rousey uh, would actually win, um, hitting her uh, her her Piper's Pit Slam, which is her uh, which is actually her first um, her first win with a uh, her first pinfall victory um which i think is a really um really cool uh really cool moment um and also uh, after the after the the match uh sasha banks threw up the four horse woman symbol um kind of because everyone wants to see a feud between the four horse women of nxt which are charlotte sasha banks uh, Bailey and Becky Lynch versus uh, the four horsewomen of MMA, which are Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, Marina Shafir, and Jasmine Duke, who, guess what, are all signed by WWE. Oh, would you look at that? Um, so I really want to see that. Um, <clears throat> the Royal Rumble match. Um, so there, the Royal Rumble match, I can only mention like a couple of spots because other, it's... It's it's a lot. Um, it was uh, seventy one minutes long, um, but you had some moments where Selena Vega decides to hide in the ring. Um, you have her, and also her getting chased away by Hornswoggle. Uh, that was kind of weird. Um, you had the Riot Squad just kind of hitting people. Um, you had uh, Io Shirai coming in from NXT as well as uh, Casey Condenzaro um, and Kyrie Sane. Uh, there are a lot of them. Um, those were uh, just a few of the NXT uh, call-ups that were in it that did some really cool... Uh, Casey Condenzaro, um, it seems like everyone's trying to have a, uh, a Kofi Kingston spot nowadays, um, but it was really good. Um, uh, Lana was supposed to come in at 28, um, but she had an injury in the kickoff show that made it so that she couldn't really go. Um, and uh, because she couldn't go in, Becky Lynch, who lost earlier, uh, shows up. And when I tell you the crowd 
lost their minds as soon as uh, Becky got confirmed and her music hit as she made her way to the ring. Like, Becky Lynch is the most the most on-fire superstar in all of WWE. Like, it's not even in question. Um, and uh, it would go. they would go on to... Uh, Becky Lynch would go on to win the, um, the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, so she is going to face... Uh, she's going to face... Um, uh, she's going to face Ronda Rousey at... Um, WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship and uh, the WWE Championship. Uh, Danny Bryan versus AJ Styles. This was put in what was called the the death slot, um, which is kind of um, uh, which is kind of annoying um, because I don't think it's. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was a good match. There's a, little, a couple people who disagree, but I thought it was. Um, I thought it was a good match. I thought they were trying to tell a really good story in terms of um, Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles having respect for each other as a competitor, but they hate each other personally. Um, and then, but them trying to use that to kind of like out wrestle each other and out um, kind of it was it was the story was eventually the bell lock versus the uh, um, calf crusher. Um, so I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good time. Um, I enjoyed the match. Uh, I enjoyed the match a lot. But uh, you know, some people disagree. But that's the problem. Everything's well. That's the thing. A lot of things are subjective. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, it also um, featured the return of Eric Rowan, um, who t- kind of took uh, took sides with um, Dana Bryan. So. Uh, we'll see what that uh, what that has to what's going to come of that. Um, last night, actually, uh, so Daniel Bryan retains against AJ Styles, and last night um, he replaced the championship belt with a environmentally friendly one made of vegan leather and hemp. Um, so I, I I love the new Daniel Bryan. He's he's so good. Um, and the Universal Championship, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor, very David versus Goliath. Um, and also, I will say this, uh, nobody in all of wrestling or sports entertainment or whatever you want to call it does a, um, does a video package better than WWE. It's amazing how much... I, I could have not cared about this match coming in, and that video package would make me like want to... Like make me really excited. Um, I thought it was an excellent David vs. Goliath story um, with Finn Balor kind of just not necessarily outwit, but um, just very. It was a very stick and move kind of situation with uh, Finn Balor. He was always he was running around um, and uh, trying to never be. In a spot where he can get caught by Brock, um, he, uh, I thought Brock did a great job um, to sell for Finn Balor because um, uh, when when Brock Lesnar wants to, he can. He's a great wrestler. He's a fantastic wrestler, um, and uh, it was. Um, it was a really great match. I thought he made uh, Brock Lesnar look 
Uh, he made Finn Balor look as if he had a shot, uh, which I think is the most important thing. Um, so kudos to Brock Lesnar and kudos to Finn Balor for putting together a great match. Lesnar would win uh, with a Kimura lock to force the tap out. Um, and then the men's Royal Rumble match uh, started off um, started off with uh, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett uh, with Elias. Um, that was a inter- that was that was a funny moment, um, but. <clears throat> One of the, but this, they did do one of my least favorite things in Royal Rumble matches when they're trying to, um, they try, they try and they try to like make somebody forget about something and then bring them back later. Um, Rollins got Rollins, Seth Rollins uh, eliminated Bobby Lashley like about halfway through the match, or actually towards the end, um, and um, it was Bobby Lashley had like just gotten in. Um, and so he was mad and then he put Seth Rollins through a table. Um, in doing that, Seth Rollins was essentially out of the match for a long period of time. Uh, and this is something that I don't really care for. I get it. You're trying to give them a break in terms of if they have to go deep into a match. But, uh, I think that Seth Rollins has been, it's been clear that he can go, uh, for a long time. Uh, so I think you got to give him the... Uh, the chance to to do that, um, and I, I think it's something that's been done uh, done a little bit too much. Uh, but we did see some really cool appearances by Johnny Gargano, Aleister Black, and United Kingdom champion Pete Dunne, who is fantastic. He's so good, uh, so good. Um, but at uh, the the one of the biggest surprises came at number thirty. Everyone knew our truth was supposed to come in at number thirty, until uh, all of a sudden Nia Jax comes out, beats the ever loving out of our truth, and then walks to the ring because she's gonna be in a men's Royal Rumble match, and she had a really good run, um, and she got an RKO, um, a six one nine, and a super kick. Uh, because, you know, Randy Orton doesn't care if you're a woman. Randy Orton just does Randy Orton things. Um, but all together, um, uh, the match ended with uh, Rollins um, tossing Braun Strowman out of the ring uh, to win the Royal Rumble. Um, so Seth Rollins uh, is now going to go on to face Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Uh, all in all, I thought it was a really good show. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it um, for this episode and for this, uh, yeah, and for the Royal Rumble and all that. Uh, it's been a, it's been fun talking with you guys today. I've gone over an hour. Uh, we'll see how that goes after I edit this. Um, but. Uh, I just want I uh, just want to say thank you, you guys, for continuing to listen to me. Uh, I apologize for the wait on this video, um, but you guys are great. Um, so just remember, uh, be kind, love each other, and um, try to be a good person. I guess I'm. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing you again soon. All right, see you later. Peace.